Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. If you're excited about a God who wants to do greater things than you, why don't we at all of our campuses lift up a shout of praise right now? You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. As you're sitting down, we know you guys love to do this. Look at your neighbor and say greater things. At all the campuses, there was a, it was a little lackluster here at Central, so we're going to do it again. At all of our campuses, look at your neighbor and say greater things. greater things. There we go. Much better, much better. So it was a little different intro into our message than what we typically do, but it was kind of fun to sit in that moment of worship together at all of our campuses. Uh, we did it differently because we're going to do something different today. I'm actually going to share a message that's very similar to a message I've shared before. In fact, it was the very first message that I shared here at New Hope. And I thought about it for a long time. In fact, I, I felt God kind of put it on my heart for, for some months. And the window of opportunity opened up and I just said, you know, this, this, today's the day. I want, I want to share this. Now, here's the deal. The content's very different. The structure is very similar. So some of you are going to be like, I feel like Chad said this before. I, I may, maybe I have, all right? But I realize also for the majority of you, you've never heard it before, especially at all of our campuses. But if you have heard it before, I want to challenge you with this. Maybe it'd be a checkpoint for you to kind of look back and say, how am I doing? Have, have I grown since the last time I heard this? The, the scripture we're going to hop into in just a minute actually has a built-in message for that. to basically say, how am I doing? Am I growing? I was excited to, to learn for myself when I hopped back into these scriptures and I started thinking about the similar stories that I've grown, that the depth of insight God's given me in this scripture has grown far more than I actually imagined. And so that's why I want to share it with you all today. And those, those of you that have never heard it, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And that's okay. That's all right. If, uh, if you were excited to hop into the scriptures today, why don't we, uh, we all just sing the song, I Will Rise Together on the count of three. Let's all together say, I will rise, okay? One, two, three. I will rise. Awesome, awesome. If you think about your past, if you're a, a, an introspective kind of person, you're a reflective kind of person, if you think about your past, there are moments that stick out to you more than others. This happens at least for two reasons. There's moments of great joy that'll just stick with you. Perhaps there's moments of great sorrow that'll stick with you. Over the years, I've had people, they, they, they've stopped me and they've asked me, they said, you know, Chad, how can you take seemingly ordinary moments from your life and really relate them to the scriptures and see God moving in them? And I think it has a lot to do, it has a great deal to do with how I engage every moment. You see, I actually believe that God is near me all the time. And if he's near me all the time, then he's wanting to speak to me all the time. I don't think it just for myself. I think it for all of us. I think it for all people. That if we're listening, God wants to share something. It has a great deal with the way that I engage each moment. You see, I see God intimately involved with us. And if that's true, then every moment carries divine potential. And if I'm listening, I'll be invited into a greater story than what I thought when I woke up that day. Are you with me? You see, how we engage each moment dictates how it shapes us. We need to hear that at the, at the outset. How we engage each moment dictates how it shapes us. Every moment shapes us. Some people do it intentionally. Some people look at a moment and say, this is how it's going to shape my life. Others, we're dictated by it. 
You see, there's some people who say if, if something wrong happens, they'll say this. You've heard it before. Story of my life always happens to me, right? You've heard that. Maybe you've even said it. You see, when we say that, we, we immediately miss out on the opportunity, the potential in that moment. A failure is just a failure. It's not something to be learned from. In, in that kind of scenario, a challenge is just a failure. It's not God actually putting us in that challenge to shape us and mold us and make us better. But if you see each moment teeming with life, opportunity, God's shaping hands, you don't look at an unconquerable wall and say, I can't get over it. You just say, that's a Goliath waiting to be slain. See the difference? You look at a challenge, you say, God wants to use me. He wants to shape me. He wants to do something in me here to make me better down the road. It's how you engage each moment that dictates how it shapes you. Several years ago, four years ago, in fact, there was a moment. There was just a, an ordinary moment. There wasn't anything extraordinary about it except that I, I guess I had my antenna up that day and listening to God. Four years ago, I was uh, with some friends, and they dropped me off at our apartment in downtown Pasadena. The, 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 the road was beneath our apartment. You had to walk up a series of steps to get up to the courtyard. Then you could walk into our apartment. As I was walking up, I looked off into the distance, and I, I couldn't see anyone, but I could see something kind of faintly in the distance coming towards me. It was something small, and it was bouncing towards me. I couldn't make out what it was. And as I was looking at it, it just kind of kept coming and coming and coming. It bounced through our fence, through the gate, and as I was walking up the steps, I was about to the last step, and I saw it, and I kind of, for whatever reason, just reached out my hand, and I caught it. And I looked down, and it was just a, a little bouncing ball. Nothing special. It was just a little bouncing ball. And then the moment got kind of cool. I mean, like, what are the chances that the moment I'm walking up is the exact moment that a bouncing ball is going to come and land in my hand, right? It's kind of crazy. And then in that exact moment, I look up and there's my wife kind of off in the distance and she looks down at our daughter who at the time I believe was around two years old. She's like, Ava, daddy caught your ball, which made it even cooler, right? What are the chances that I would catch a ball and walk up at the exact moment that my daughter threw a ball that's bouncing wildly out of control and we don't even own a bouncing ball. She just found it in the courtyard that day, right? Like all these circumstances are coming together. And then she starts running, Daddy, you caught my ball. Daddy, you caught my ball. And she's running towards me. And I'm like thinking, man, this is great. I just got dropped off for the day, getting ready to go study. Like, and all of a sudden, I'm a hero. She runs to my, to my feet, and we're standing on the steps, and I hand it back to her. Still on the steps, right? She takes it immediately and just launches it. So I start running back down the steps to grab the ball before it goes in the street, in the gutter, never to be seen again. I walk up the steps to her, not thinking about what I was saying, and I bend down to her and I say, you know, hey, Ava, if you're not safe, you're going to lose this ball. I tell you what, why don't you take the ball, put it in your pocket, and keep it safe? She did just that, and we went inside. And I, did, I thought the moment was done. I thought it was over. I went off and was studying. We were out there for seminary, so I went off and I was studying. I came out a couple hours later, and I saw my daughter, and she was outside playing. And I was like, hey, Ava, do you have that ball? I I want to show you, like, it's fun. Let's, 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 let's play with it. It's a bouncing ball, right? Have you ever gotten lip from a two-year-old? It's, it's great. No, it's awesome. And she looks at me. She says, no, you told me to put it in my pocket to keep it safe. It's like, wow, now she's like, this, she picks this moment to start listening, right? Like, it was, it was good. And I, I, was, I, was, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I did. Yeah, I told you that. Hey, no, no, like, listen, let's, let's get it out and play with it and keep it safe. And she, no. 
I had better things to do than get lit from a two-year-old, so I went back to studying, you know, and um, later on that, that evening, we were having dinner, sitting around the dinner table, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, hey, has Ava played without balancing ball yet? She's like, no, you're not going to believe this, but she won't get it out of her pocket. I've tried. She won't get it out of her pocket. And I know it seems funny, but in that moment, I was like, I've got to reclaim this balancing ball, right? Like, she's got to get it out of her pocket. We're going to play with it. After dinner, we walked outside, and we were standing in our courtyard, and I was just, I was like, you know, doing everything. Like, Ava, like, it can go really high. Like, I want to show you, like, seriously, I want to show you how high it can go. Let me see your ball. And she's just like, no, you told me to keep it safe. And, and I don't know why, but in that moment, I just kind of, I was thinking two things. The first was this, it, it, and maybe it was, it was an over-exaggeration, but I, I thought it in the moment. I was like, if I don't teach her to get this ball out of her pocket, she might learn that every time she gets afraid, every time she gets burnt, every time an expectation isn't met, every time she's rejected, every time something doesn't go her way, she's going to take her life, put it in her pocket, and keep it safe. I've got to get this bouncing ball out of her pocket. That was the first thing. The second thing was this. How crazy that she was keeping the ball from me. I was the one who saved it, not once but twice. <laughs> she won't give it to me. And so I bent down and I kind of looked her in the eyes and I was like, Ava, it's a bouncing ball. It was made to bounce. You're supposed to have fun with it. Please get out of your pocket. Let me see it. I want to show you how high it can go. Shaking and trembling, she got the ball out of her pocket and reached up to me. I took it as quick as I could get it and I just revved back to, you know, to slam it against the ground, not thinking you know, that she's, you know, this ball is, she thinks her life's over if I lose it, right? So as I'm bringing it down, I look in her eyes and they're huge. And she's just like, no, dad, but it's too late, right? Like I'm, I'm coming down. I bounce it. It goes up into the night sky. I can't, there's no stars in the sky. Like it's just pitch black. I can't see this ball. And I'm thinking, I've got to catch this ball, right? Like I've got to catch this ball. She's never going to get it out of her pocket if I don't. So at, at the last kind of moment, I, I see it, and I reached out, and I grabbed it, and I caught it. And I caught it, like, right in front of her eyes, and they got really big. And I looked at her, and she was like, Dad, do it again. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. Like, finally, finally, we're, we're, we're starting to get somewhere here. And we were, I don't know, we played around maybe for another half an hour, bouncing the ball and chasing it and having fun. And as we were doing that, there was two things that kind of popped into my mind. We were just kind of running around. I was kind of reflecting uh, on the moment. And I was wondering this. I wonder how many times I've been burnt. How many times I've been afraid. How many times I've been rejected. How many times I've failed. And because I was afraid and I wanted to play it safe, I just put my life in my pocket. I mean, I, I wonder about you. How, how many times have you done that? Maybe it'd be good for us all to ask ourselves this morning, how has my past shaped my present? How has my past shaped my present. You see, reaction is built into the human experience, right? If you get burnt, don't touch the hot skillet, right? Like, we know this. I was riding my bike one time. I was in, in, a, in the middle of a city. I was riding my bike, and I don't know why, but I took my right hand off the handlebars to, like, I guess to itch my ankle or something. I'm not really sure what I was doing. And in that moment, while my left hand is still up, I look off to my side, and there's a car coming, and we're about to meet at an intersection. Instead of reaching my right hand up to grab the brake, I used my left hand and grabbed it as tightly as I could, which just happens to be my front brake. I was heading downhill, and I go flying feet overhead into the road. Now, luckily, uh, the car didn't hit me, but 
I still can't ride my bike without thinking about that when I go to use my left brake. Right? Like, reaction is built into the human DNA. When we are disappointed, we will grow to great lengths to avoid it again in the future. When our expectations aren't met, we will go to great lengths just to make sure whatever steps we do make, our expectations are met. But I wonder if this reactionary mindset can actually hurt us. If every time we fail, all it teaches us is to play it safe, what if I think we've lost something? If every time we've been rejected, little by little, we learn to play it safe, we've actually lost something significant. That was the first thing that really stuck out to me. The second thing was this. Just like Ava was withholding the ball from me, when we play it safe, we're withholding our lives from God. When you were bouncing wildly out of control, who caught you? God. And when you start playing it safe, you're like, I'm just going to go through my routine. I'm just going to do my habits. I'm just going to live for the weekend. I'm just going to put up with the day. I'm just going to you know, press lather, rinse, repeat on my week. When you are playing it safe, you are withholding your life from God. He rescues you. He wants to do something greater, something beyond your wildest dreams. Those two things were sticking out to me. You see, God wants to show you how high your life can go. That's the reason he sent his son to die for you. When we sing songs like, I will rise, he's saying, I want you to rise. I want you to step into my fullness. So the question today is, how do we get our lives out of our pockets? How do we get back into the playing field? If you've got a Bible, either you've got an analog version, (laughs) or you've got one on your iPod, iPhone, iPad, go and turn to John 21. We're going to be looking at the, the life of Simon Peter. A very specific moment. And here's the deal. As you're turning there, I need to say this. You can't look at Peter and think you've got nothing in common. You can't just look at it and say, well, it happened a couple thousand years ago. This guy has nothing in common with me. Nothing can be further from the truth. This is a man who has been burnt. This is a man whose expectations haven't been met. This is a man who stood on the precipice of greatness only to crash and fail big time. We've all been there. And that's where we meet Peter. John 21 Verse 2, it says this, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. It's good for guys who are fishermen to catch nothing. It's interesting, maybe this is another sermon for another day, but the disciples in the Gospels, they never catch fish without Jesus. Kind of an interesting note. See, there's a few ways to look at this moment. We're going to stop for just a second. The first is this. Peter's hungry, right? He's just hungry, and he knows how to fish, so he's going out to fish. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is Peter's bored. Like he's waiting for his time to, to be called up to the big leagues where Jesus is going to send him out, and he's you know, putting the gone fishing sign out on the, uh, the, the, the disciples' world headquarters, right? Or there's another way of looking at it. It's not that Peter's hungry. It's not that he's bored. So Peter's quitting. When he says, I'm going out to fish, he's going out to fish. That's what he did. You see, when Peter first meets Jesus, he and his friends, they're followers of John the Baptist. They're out fishing by the lake one day. Jesus says, come and follow me. And they follow him because they think he's the Messiah. They think that 
Jesus is going to end the Roman occupation, that he's going to set up a new government. He's going to become the ruler, and they're, they're going to be the, the, the rulers of the, the, the kingdom of the, of the world. And little by little, they realize that that's not exactly how it's going to go down. It just takes a little of this and a little of that, and they're like, this is not happening. And yet, Peter says, no matter what, Jesus, I will never leave you until the moment when Jesus needs him the most, and he does. Peter's fallen. He's broken. You see, when Peter goes fishing, he's going back to his old way of life. He's going back to the thing that he had previously left behind. He's going back to fishing. We need to know that as we keep reading forward. Early in the morning, verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were, able to, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Thank goodness for Jesus. So these fishermen would make fools of themselves, right? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. This is Peter. It seems backwards, but that's what he did. The other disciples followed in the boat. <laughs> what would you do? Follow in the boat or jump in the water? Towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. We know they're fishermen, right? They count their catch, right? It's not, it's not about 100. They want, they want credit for every single one, right? 153. Fishermen, you know what I'm talking about. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he was pointing to the fish. Do you love me more than these? And he was pointing to the fish. Now there's something interesting here. If you look at that, that verse that's still up on the screens, how does Jesus address Peter? Simon, son of John. Jesus was the, the one who gave him the name Peter. He said, you are my rock. Upon you, I'm going to build my church. He's the one who initially started calling him Peter, but in this verse, he calls him Simon, son of John. It's as if he's meeting him for the first time. If you've been around the scriptures for a while, you, you might notice this scene is very similar, almost exactly the same as what happens in Luke chapter 5, very early on when the disciples first meet Jesus. So Jesus is addressing him, Simon, son of John. In other words, I don't know if I know you right now, Peter. You've gone so far backwards. See, Peter has gone back to the very thing he left behind. How often do we do this? Right, like we'll sit in here and we'll say, God, I'll do anything. I'll follow you anywhere. That thing you're telling me to do, I'll do it. And days, weeks, months later, we found ourselves back where we began. Right, like we can't look at Peter and say, I've got nothing in common with him. We've all done it. We've all been there. We've all said, I'm going to be changed, only to go back and revert. And can you imagine this moment from the mind of Jesus? Peter, you've been with me in my highest heights. You've been with me in my lowest of lows. I want to use you, but you've gone back fishing. Peter, what in the world are you doing fishing? I want to do something greater 
through you. You see, when everything was bouncing wildly out of control for Peter, he put his life in his pocket to keep it safe, right? He knew fishing. Fishing was easy for him. It's it's what he did. So he went back to the thing that that he knew how to do. And there was nothing wrong with fishing, right? Fishing is a great thing. We all benefit from fishermen. There's nothing wrong with that. But when Peter goes back to fishing, it's a sign that he's running from God. Fishing is a good thing. It's a great thing, right? Getting up, going to work, providing for your family, that's a great thing. But Jesus says, Peter, I don't want to just do a great thing through you. I want to do a greater thing. I want to do something even better than you could ever ask or imagine. The same is true for us. You're called to something greater. Now, that doesn't mean that God's calling you to leave your job. But it might mean that he wants you to do your job in a new way. He might not necessarily be calling you out of your relationships. But he wants you to engage those relationships in a whole new way. So so many times we'll we'll, we'll shout and we'll cry out to God, if you would just show me your will, if you would just tell me what to do, like give me the specifics, tell me exactly what you want, then I'll step into it. Then I'll start living close to you. And what God's saying is, you're never going to get my will until you learn my ways. You're never going to get my will until you learn my ways. In fact, we can't step into the fullness of God's will until we've committed to the discipline of his ways. We all need to hear that today. We can't step into the fullness of God's will until we've committed to the discipline of his ways. See, God's saying, I only know you can handle my will if you first committed to my ways. In my will, you learn to do my work. In my ways, you get to know me. So often, we just want to do his work. Tell me your will. And God's saying, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. And in learning my ways, you'll get to know me. You see, Peter couldn't follow God's will until he had committed to God's ways. God couldn't use Peter until Peter had experienced great disappointment. God couldn't use Peter until he learned from his failures. Peter couldn't lead until Peter knew how hard it was to be a leader. Sometimes God just wants us to get to know his voice. He wants us to get to know him in the details and the small things. And then he'll reveal and open up bigger opportunities. Just a few weeks ago, uh, I was standing in my garage. I was with my three kids, and I was holding my eight-month-old son. I was putting him into the car, into his cart seat. And I told my other girls, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and I was telling them, hey, guys, stay right here. Like, we're trying to get in the car quickly and leave. And as I'm putting my son in, they walk to the other side of the car. Hey, girls, like I said, like we're, we're, we're trying to leave quickly. I, I, you know, c- come back over here. Next thing I know, they're outside. Hey, girls, I, I, there's, there's a lawnmower outside. I don't know how close it is. I, I can't see you from the garage. Get back in here. Can't find them. Parents, you ever have those moments? <laughs> you've said it, you've said it, you've said it. Now it's time to really say it, all right? I put my son in the car seat. I lock him in. I shut the door. I walk over and find them outside. And I look at them. You two, come with me. I pull him inside, and we have one of those come-to-Jesus talks. Don't feel bad for him. It was time, all right? It was, it was time. And I got down. I was looking at them. I was like, sometimes I don't have time to explain. Sometimes I don't have time to, you know, consider your feelings on the matter. Sometimes I just need you to listen. I just want you to do it. Later that day, I was out here on the tobacco trail 
uh, next to, to Central Campus. And I was uh, with my two girls. My three-year-old was on my back on my bike. My six-year-old was in front of me riding her bike. And we were riding down the trail, having a good time. And all of a sudden, we, can, we look up and we see someone off in the distance. And they're waving their hands really big. And they're trying to get our attention, but we don't really know why. And as I look ahead, I can see there's something laying in the middle of the trail, and it looks like a big branch. And I was like, oh, they're trying to get our attention to say those branches falling, you know, be careful. So we keep going. I kind of holler ahead to Ava, hey, be careful. And then I realize something. The branch is moving. (laughs) Now, notice I said I didn't confuse whatever this was for a stick. I confused it for a branch, all right? And as we get closer, I can see there's something pretty sizable inside of this huge snake, It's a squirrel, it's a rabbit, it's someone's small dog, I'm not sure. But there is a big snake, I gotta set the scene for you, I'm sorry, All right. So we're going down the trail, and as I realize it's a snake, I put on my brakes, but my six-year-old is in front of me, heading right for whatever this monstrous python is, I don't know. And we're going, and I just like yell, Ava, stop! And she just skids her brakes, and she's not really sure what it is, but she's like on her bike, like inching back, like trying to like pull it back, it was... In retrospect, it was pretty funny. And I was like, hey, you know, hey, Ava, like, I'm, I'm, you know, th- thanks for coming back. And she's like, Dad, is there a branch that fell? And I was like, no, Ava, that's a snake. <laughs> and she looks up at me, and I think it kind of clicks for her. I was like, aren't you glad you listened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And I started, like, talking, like, hey, you know when I said earlier there's times that you, I just need you to listen and I don't have time to explain? This is one of those moments. I'm so glad you listened. I'm so glad in the smaller things... You were listening, because in the bigger things, you'll know my voice. There are small things that God's trying to speak to us every day. It's not so much his specific will, it's about his ways. It's about the way we should be doing things. And if we're doing his ways, if we're sweating the small stuff, the details, and we're saying, God, I'm all in for this. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm in. He'll reveal the much bigger things as well. If you're faithful with a part of the story, God will open up the opportunities that wait ahead. You see, when Peter's found fishing, Peter's running from disappointment. Peter thinks his unmet expectations and his failures basically cut him off from future success or a future in following Christ, a future in leading for Jesus. And Jesus has a very different uh, expectation in mind. Let's keep reading. Verse 15, John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, pointing to the fish? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Stop for just a second. I think there's three things going on here, and I just want to run through them really quickly. The first is just simply this. Jesus isn't finished with Peter. Jesus isn't finished with Peter. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. Peter screwed up big time. He denied Jesus three times in Jesus' biggest moment of need. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, I'm not finished with you. I've got big things in store for you. And the same is true for you. I don't know what your past is, but I know what your future is in Christ. 
you will rise. You will rise. That's the first thing. Jesus isn't finished with Peter, and he's not finished with us. The second is this. Jesus is reinstating Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, so he's asking him three times, do you love me? He's reinstating Peter. I think Peter's hurt because Jesus has to ask. Have you ever lost someone's trust before? It's really hard to regain it. Jesus is saying to Peter, we're good. We're good. We're good. I'm, I'm not finished with you yet. I want to use you. I want to do something in you. And the third thing is this, and there's something that kind of gets lost in the English language. When Jesus says, do you, do you love me more than these? The first two times, he uses uh, for the word love, the word agape. In the, in the Greek, the word agape is just, it's, it's the highest form of love. They have multiple words for the word love, and agape is the highest form. It's a godly love. It's, it's the highest kind of love that, that can possibly be. He says to, to Peter, do you agape me? Peter responds, yes, Lord, I phileo you. He doesn't use the same word. Phileo is like a brotherly love. We get that, like city of Philadelphia, or city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It was a brotherly love. It was a friendly love. Yes, Lord, I phileo you. The first two times, Jesus says agape. Second, or the same thing with, with, with Peter. The first two times, he says phileo. The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? To which Peter responds, yes, Lord, I phileo you. So what's going on here? Like, why does Jesus use words that Peter's not using? Why does Jesus change kind of to a, to a lower form of love? I think there's, there's, there's something really important that's taking place that, that we need to see. Peter was the wild man, right? He was the barbarian. He was the renegade. He was the guy that, you know, if you would have asked him just a couple weeks ago, you know, Peter, do you agape me? He was like, I, I at least agape you. They need to think of a new Greek word to explain the kind of love I have for you, Jesus, right? Like, this is Peter. And yet this time he's saying, yes, Lord, I, I phileo you. He's admitting he doesn't know everything. You ever met someone who knows everything? <laughs> Some of you, you, you said that too fast. Peter's admitting he doesn't know everything. And it's freaking him out. Who doesn't want to know the whole, the whole road, right? Who doesn't want to know the next step? Peter's basically saying, I thought I had this whole thing figured out. And when I didn't, I started running in the other direction. He started seeking comfort in the familiar. We do that. We go back and we just kind of go about the mundane things of our lives because they're familiar. But see, here's the deal. When you seek out comfort in the familiar, you miss out on God's adventure. When you seek comfort in the familiar, you miss out on God's adventure. Jesus is saying to Peter, with what you do know, Peter, I'm not giving you the whole road. I want you to be about my ways. With what you do know, get going. Get moving. See, while you're playing it safe because you're afraid, you've put your life back in your pocket. I want to use you. I want to do something through you. I want you to experience the greatness of following after me with everything you've got. And you're missing out. In essence, Peter, you're in the wrong boat. You've gone fishing. I want you to go fishing, but in a, in a very different way for people. I want to use you and expand you. A friend of mine several years ago kind of helped me to understand this really well. It just it made perfect sense when he was explaining it. He was talking about uh, the strings on a piano. And he was saying the only way for a, for a piano or the string on a piano, to do what it was created to do is for it first to be struck. It can't make a note unless it's struck by a key. Maybe you feel like that sometimes, like, God, I want to be used, but it feels like all that's happening right now is I'm just being struck. It, it is, it, it, it's painful. 
But it has to happen. That's the first step. And when it gives off a note, it expands. The, the string actually expands. The only way for it to go into its fullness, the only way for it to experience the fullness, to expand into all that's created to be, is for it first to be struck and then to give something away. The only way for us to be used by God to do something extraordinary is for us first to be struck and then to give something away. Jesus is saying, Peter, I want to use you to do great things. You put your life in your pocket. You need to get going. You need to get serving. You need to get loving others. You need to be about my ways. You see, Peter the barbarian had gone too far in the other direction. Let's close it out with this. Verse 18. We need to notice those first two words. Very truly. What's, going, what's, what's about to happen? Jesus is going to say something that's hard to hear. He's going to say something that's new. He's going to say something that's different. It's, it's not about Peter's feelings right now. He's saying, Peter, this is the truth. I need you to hear this. If you're going to follow me, you've got to hear this. Peter, you can't hear this about my will, unless you're first committed to my ways. It's going to be hard to hear. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You must follow me. Perhaps we can more fully see now why it was important for Peter to know God's ways. There's no way he can hear, Peter, this is the end. This is how it's going to go down for you unless he's first committed to God's ways. And then he concludes with what he concludes to all of us. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. There's something weird that happens in us when we're very young. If you've been around little ones, you've, you've seen this. When someone's around two years old, everything is beautiful just because it's beautiful. You with me? Like, everything has beauty just because it's different, because it's unique. I can remember uh, my, my three-year-old when she was two. She would just stand and she'd look out a window and she would just she would just enjoy birds flying by and squirrels playing on the bird feeder and you know and rabbits and colors and everything was beautiful just because it was. Are you with me? And there's something somewhere between two and three, it must be, that everything goes from being beautiful just because it is to it's beautiful because it's someone else's. We know this, right? Peter's looking at John, and he's saying, what about him? I've got this hard road to follow. What's his road going to be? Can I go with his road? Maybe, is there an option B or a C or a D? Jesus, this is hard. And that's why Jesus is saying, you've got to be committed to my ways before you can know my will. You see, coveting someone else's life is rooted in a dissatisfaction with all God has given you. Coveting someone else's life, someone else's calling, what someone else is doing is rooted in a dissatisfaction with all God has given you. Peter says, what about him? And Jesus is saying, what about you? If you would just follow me, if you would just have the courage to risk, I'm going to do something in you that others would want to follow. I'm going to do something in you, Peter, that you can't even dream up. 
Peter, I realize this is hard to swallow. I realize that you may not feel it right now, but I need you to will it before you feel it. Some of us need to do that. God's ways aren't always easy. Sometimes to follow him, it's, it's not always the, the, the most direct path. And he's saying to you, I'm not looking for your feelings on this matter. I need you to trust me. I need you to follow me. I might need you to will it before you feel it. I, must, I need you to trust me. I need you to follow. I wonder if God's saying to you this morning, I can't do what I want to do in you unless you go through this challenge that you're facing right now. I can't move in you unless you first remove this sin in your life that I've told you about repeatedly. I can't use you unless you're willing to risk on my behalf. I put you in that place that's really tough and really difficult because I can see something you can't see just yet. I have you in this situation so you can grow because I've got something greater for you waiting down the road. I wonder if we would just trust and follow. See, God's saying, I want you to see the beauty and the uniqueness in how I've created you. And if you would just follow me, I'll open up a future. I'll show you how high your life can go. I'll do something remarkable in and through you. You see, at its core, following God is always the same. Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. The rain's coming down. We'll sit in here a little while longer if that's okay. (laughs) When Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, it's not about a will. It's not about something specific. He's saying, follow my ways. This is what you were created to do. And when you step into what you're most created to do, you'll find something remarkable. See, just like me with Ava, God wants to show you how high your life can go. I didn't finish the story earlier. There's, there's, there's a last part of the story with the bouncing ball. As we were out there and we were taking the ball and we were throwing it and we were bouncing it, at, at one moment, Ava walks over to me and she reaches up her hand. But it wasn't shaking this time. She reaches up her hand and she looks at me and she says, Dad, can I try? You see, it was easy earlier when dad was bouncing the ball, right? I was bouncing and I was throwing it when I was catching it. In her eyes, I'm not going to lose it, right? In her eyes, like dad's not going to lose this ball. It was safe. It was easy. But when she reached out her hand and says, can I try? She was owning it. I want to risk dad. I want to try it again. You see, the last time she bounced the ball, she lost it, right? What about you? Maybe you've been playing it safe. Maybe you've kind of been watching others do it. Maybe even watching others risk. You said, man, I wish I had the courage to live like them. I wish I had the courage to step out and do those things that God's been sharing with me. What will it look like for you to follow? See, how ridiculous that my daughter was taking this ball that was made to bounce, that was made to play with, that was made to have fun with, and she put it in her pocket. How crazy for us when God says you were bouncing wildly out of control and I rescued your life. How crazy for us when we were created to live, to dream, to love, to risk, to take our lives and to put them in our pocket and play it safe. If you've been watching on the sidelines, I want to encourage you with this today. Maybe you need to hear God's voice say to you today, what are you doing fishing? I called you out of that. I want you to step into your life in a new way. I want you to to show up at work in a new way. I want you to engage those relationships or engage your family in a whole new way. I've got something greater in in store for you. The second thing might be feed my sheep. In other words, join me in what I'm doing. What would it look like for you to, to expand 
to be, you know, to be challenged, to be kind of pushed and pulled a little bit on behalf of others. And the last thing is this, follow me. Jesus might be saying, you follow me. I want to show you how high your life can go. Your life is a masterpiece. Your life is something worth beholding. I want to finish on this very last thought, and then we're going to pray. Everyone around us, everyone, the people in your home, the people at work, your neighbors, anyone and everyone who's considering following God is asking this one question. Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust God with my life? And the way we live our lives tells them yes or no. I want the way I live my life, the way I trust, the way I follow, the way I pursue God to be a resounding yes to those around me. Let's stand and pray. Father God, I believe you're doing a lot of work. You're you're stirring in hearts. You're moving. There's things that, that we're hearing that you're speaking into our lives. God, I pray that as we sing and as we lift up our voices, God, I would pray that we wouldn't just sing songs. I pray that these wouldn't be vacant words on our lips, but God, we would actually lift up our hearts. We would lift up our whole lives. We lift up a resounding amen. This might be tough to hear, but God, I want to follow you with everything. As we lift up our voices, God, would you come and inhabit the praises of your people? Would you speak? God, I pray you wouldn't let us off the hook this week. Would we follow you? Would we hear you say to me, to say to us, to say to all of us, you must follow me. We would take up the mantle and go. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you'd like to financially support the movement of New Hope Church, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.